This is episode 17. Are you ready to explore life's possibilities? Go from ordinary to extraordinary. Then it's time to live limitless. To live limitless. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Hey, hey, all right. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is uh, episode number 17 on the Live Limitless podcast. And joining us today is Brad Hussey of bradhussey.ca. And there's a number of reasons why I wanted to have Brad on the show. Uh, he's a great guy. I actually know him personally. Um, he reached out to me a number of years ago because he was just getting into travel hacking. And because he's also uh, in Canada, I was pretty much the only one who was um, was teaching people about travel hacking in Canada at that time. So he reached out. Uh, we met up a few times. We got to know each other. And I actually hired Brad to to design the current version of Canadian freeflyers.com which is the Canadian travel hacking website I have uh, for anyone interested in travel hacking I also have one for everyone not just Canadians it's called zero to dream trip.com but I'll put that all in the, the show notes so anyways he helped design that website and I wanted to have him on because of uh, a number of reasons first of all uh, he's rocking it in the online world he now makes his full-time income not just for himself but he makes enough so that his wife can stay home with his uh, two kids and what's cool is he's not like a, I mean instead most of the people I know who work online travel around the world which is great but he does it, it, it differently he bought a house here in Canada and he wants to be close to family and he just wanted an online business that uh, I mean he's happy he loves doing a coding and designing but he wanted also set up systems and that kind of stuff in place so that he has the freedom to spend a lot of time with his family which is what he's done like he's uh he's succeeded at it which is really cool to see and not only does he design and code websites but his big thing is actually teaching people how to do it so um, you can find him on Udemy where he's taught over 200,000 students and now he has his own course on his own website that teaches anyone how to be a freelancer, so not necessarily uh, a coder and things like that. So he teaches you how to design those systems in place so you're not uh, working 16 hours a day. And other than that, he's just um, a great guy, just always happy, has a very good positive outlook on life. So I just thought he'd be a great guy to interview. And this interview does go a little bit longer than usual. It's uh, a little over an hour. Uh, we do... I wouldn't say we get off topic, but we talk a lot about uh, the freelancing world, of course. So we talk about how he got started, what inspired him to take the freelancer route, uh, how modesty can kind of change your life, and basically why kids aren't as expensive as you may think. Be because he has kids, I wanted to talk about that a bit, and I know there's some people out there who think they're very expensive and that it you know, changes your life and maybe a negative way and obviously that's not the case so uh, why you shouldn't quit your your day job until you've replaced it and also how a cool story of how Brad met his idol Pat Flynn while singing karaoke in San Diego so we go over a whole bunch of topics uh, I don't want to take any more of your time because it's a, a longer podcast than usual so well, let's just go go right into it I hope you like it and if you do please 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 leave me a review on iTunes it would uh, mean the world to me and uh, that's how other people can learn about the show so without further ado let's do it Brad how's it going I'm doing awesome how are you doing Matt not too bad it's been a bit of a while I think you've been uh, pretty busy lately with a, a launch yes yeah I've been the last time we 
talked was oh, probably probably a few months ago at this point. Uh, but yeah, I've been super busy with launching my new training program, uh, the Freelancing Freedom Course, and uh, obviously freelance work. I'm always doing that, uh, and then keeping up with my current line of um, coding courses and tutorials. So I, I've been keeping myself quite busy. Awesome. Yeah. I think I met you through the blog, right? Yeah. Well, actually, what it was was when I uh, started freelancing. I got really. I started following, you know, a bunch of minimalists and travel hackers and and um, people who had alternative, like lived alternative lifestyles. And uh, ultimately, I came across um, Chris Gillibo, obviously, and learned all about his travel hacking tips. And I was like, oh, this sounds great, but obviously, this guy's American, and uh, half of this stuff doesn't apply to me because. I don't have access to those cards or, you know, I don't, um, in Canada, we just have this totally different, what it seems, um, flight business where you can fly, I could fly, you know, from Calgary to, you know, Edmonton, which is like a one hour flight or something. And it costs like 2000 bucks sometimes, you know, where you can fly across the world for that if you're flying out of Seattle or some other place. So Canada is bizarre like that. And I was thinking, ah, this doesn't really apply. So I, you know, Google travel hacking for Canadians and, um, Canadian free flyers was like the top result. So I, I looked through that, read your stuff and I was like, yep, this is it. But I didn't have the, uh, the cash flow to justify, uh, signing up. Right. So I was like, Hmm, I'm starting my freelance business. How can I, you know, and this is something I teach in the course too, like offering tradesies, uh, you know, your service for another person's service mm-hmm. as you're getting started to get experience and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to offer my help, my web design kind of uh, web development help to you to see if I can get the Canadian Free Flyer subscription in exchange for that. And so I reached out and said, hey, I've been following your stuff, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and ultimately said, you know, I'll trade you this for that. And uh, through that, I found out that you actually lived like 30 minutes from where I live. <laughs> I didn't even know that. I just knew you were from Canada. And so that's kind of how it worked out. And then from there, that's how we kind of, right, yeah. uh, how it all started. But, uh, so around that time, then when you got a hold of me, you were still working for the web design studio. Um, no, I, that's no. when I, um, that was, I don't remember. I probably pull up my history in my email, but it was probably a few months into my starting freelancing full time. Okay. Uh, when I just, you know, I started finding all of these bloggers and these, you know, kind of authorities in these different niches that I'd never really been exposed to at the time. Um, so that was pretty much at the beginning of my freelancing journey. So what, 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 like what inspired you in the beginning to kind of, uh, start thinking about more being a freelancer? Um, well, I kind of always knew a little bit, uh, kind of in an abstract way, even before I got into web stuff. You know, I always knew I wanted to work for myself and do my own thing because I just didn't really, well, I think my part of me thought as like a young, you know, uh, young adult. And then also when I was a teenager, I thought like, I don't know, like I, I'm not really, I don't want to work for somebody with a job. I'm not going to like, I don't have a degree. I don't have a university degree. So I was like, oh, everyone's telling me if you don't have a degree, you're going to have to work like crappy jobs or whatever. And I just didn't want to work those crappy jobs. Um, so I, you know, I always had this ambition to do my own thing, start my own thing. I knew that that was how you had the most potential for growing something outside of just the traditional, uh, nine to five working environment. Mm. 
um, even as a kid, you know, I kind of had little mini entrepreneurial uh, ventures. I was a, I don't know if you know what a Dickie D is. Yeah, I did it too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So I, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically, you know, a teenager riding a, a fridge on wheels selling ice cream to kids. And it sounds hilarious. Yeah. And you just have little dingly bells on your handlebars and you're riding a fridge around on three wheels, four wheels. And yeah, and so you get to kind of set your own prices and you get to create a little strategy and, uh, you know, take home cash and pay the supplier for the ice cream and the, you know, all those things. And you have to buy ice, you have to, you know, so you have supplies and stuff to buy. So you have your expenses and your profit. And so I had to figure those things out when I was like 12. Um, And I had a band in high school, I had a few bands in high school, and I had a lot of experience with recording music. Uh, as a kid, just from hacking together equipment and uh, having different software tools to do that. And so right. I always wanted to record our bands. And I thought, hey, let's record a CD and then sell it to as many people as possible in high school. And so we like self-burned like 100 or 200 CDs. Uh, we recorded an album of original music and we burnt the CDs. We did the custom labels. We bought like Walmart, like print on labels and everything like that, did everything ourselves. And then we just hustled the crap out of it when we finished it and got a ton of people to buy it in the high school. And, you know, we probably made a few hundred bucks and split it up between three of us. Um, so just different things like that. I always had these different (laughs) entrepreneurial sort of, um, little ventures as a, as a young adult and a teenager and even younger, so that kind of transferred into being an adult and realizing I got to get like a real job or start a career or something like that. So um, when I got into the web design world and went to uh, college to get a diploma in interactive design, I ultimately started working for somebody but realized I don't like working for somebody. I don't want to do this. And I, I had already uh, built up a list of clients alongside my uh getting my college diploma and working full-time, you know, I got enough clients and kind of did the math and figured out how can I make this work, uh, you know, and quit my full-time job. Really what I did was I negotiated to get them uh, as a client. I said, hey, I'm leaving um, for these reasons, but I would like to keep working for you on a contract basis until you could find my replacement. So they accepted that and I had them as a client, my first freelance client, you know, full time for a few months until they found somebody to replace me. And so in the beginning, like what were, what were some of the first steps you take? Cause I always wondered like as well, well, obviously like finding clients, you said you already had some, and then of course you're like what you charge would have to be, I would think substantially higher than an employer, right? Because you're dealing uh, like you wouldn't have any of the benefits and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, um, I kind of started, a lot by trial and error, you know, I had the safety, I was going to college. And so I didn't really have to like earn a full-time income from freelancing or anything, you know, so I would learn some new skills and think, Hey, maybe I can offer this to somebody. And so I threw friends of friends and, you know, people who my wife worked with and people who I went to school with, they, you know, I was able to figure out who was starting businesses and maybe small chiropractic and massage, massage businesses and stuff. I ultimately was able to like get a few people as free clients in exchange for, you know, portfolio piece and a testimonial and referrals and then grow that to like, okay, a $500 site, a thousand dollar site, these sorts of things. Um, and you know, so I, I started acquiring some clients and relationships and a bit of a reputation in a small way during that time. 
And over the next couple years, while I finished school and got my full-time job, you know, I had a handful of clients and was doing some pretty decent sized sites where I knew I don't, I only had to get one or two clients to be able to basically pay my bills. And yeah. And so I knew, okay, when I'm going full-time, you know, there's things to account, like I don't have any sort of health benefits. Um, you know, I'm not just paying for, you know, I'm not just charging for a website. I'm also trying to account for the fact that I have to buy groceries. I have a family to feed. Um, you know, you have rent, you have to buy, you have to go to the dentist and pay way too much money to fix your teeth, these sorts of things. So you got to take that into consideration. And so by that point, my rate was a little bit higher, but I also had experience with, you know, getting slightly higher paid jobs, um, finding more premium clients rather than just small, mom and pop shops who only had a small budget. I was able to get in connection with some agencies and be subcontracted for their larger campaigns, which were obviously bigger budgets. So, you know, and then from there I was able to position myself as a more premium freelancer, charge higher rates for bigger businesses, um, and then kind of go from there. And I think I read on your blog that you did this, like when you left to be a freelancer, you were already kind of on the road to being a dad. Yes. So I, I quit my job when, um, my wife was, I can't remember exactly how long I could probably do the math when I think back on it, but only a few months pregnant. And so I, I was freelancing, um, for probably about four to five months full time before we had our first child. So I knew there was a baby coming in a very short amount of time. And so I kind of was like, I got to make this work. I got to make sure that this works because I can't screw this up. This is something you can't, uh, you can't mess up when you have uh, like a newborn on the way. So I kind of had that fire under my butt, but I also had that risk. And it's also like a good example of not, I mean, it worked out a bit different, but not really giving up your job until you have something. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, That's something I preach all the time. It's something that I uh, talk about in the course that a lot of people ask me this question. They say like, should I quit my job and just start freelancing so I have more time to freelance? But uh, people don't realize that they actually have anywhere from 20 hours to 40 hours uh, per week that they already have that time there. Even if they do have a full-time job or, you know, responsibilities like kids and stuff, mm-hmm. you already have that time. It's just that you don't realize it's there because you spend it, you know, going out to the food truck for lunch, you know, waking up late, uh, driving to work, um, driving back from work, you know, in the evenings, you're spending more time watching Netflix, doing huge Netflix binges, or you're going to bed, you know, earlier than, you know, you're going to bed early or, you know, on the weekends, you're going out with buddies or you're doing this, that, and the other thing. If you, trim that stuff down, take transit to work. Don't go out to the food truck with your coworkers at lunch. Take those 15 minute breaks, you know, go to bed at 1am rather than 11am, cut the Netflix session down to one hour or one and a half rather than three hours. Um, maybe skip a weekend with your buddies or your friends or whatever it is. And then you've accumulated, you know, at least 20 hours, which is everybody has access to that for the most part to work on your freelance business, to, you know, try and get more clients, to work on your offers, to build your portfolio, these sorts of things alongside the safety of your full-time job. So 
quitting your job is is ill-advised because you don't know how it's going to go until you've actually tried it. And luckily, you kind of get to do a trial run while you're working your full-time job. Right. And it always takes like, uh, even in my experience, it, like it takes, it can take six months before you even start earning money, right? Exactly. Totally. Even if you're, you know, even if you have a couple clients, you know, it's, you know, you don't get paid as soon as you invoice or as soon as you, um, quote a project or as soon as you invoice a project, sometimes clients take, you know, a couple of weeks to pay you or 30 days to pay you. Um, yeah. and you know, you could have a really great first month and snag, you know, $5,000 in freelancing jobs, but not actually get that money until the following month or six weeks later. Wow. You know? And so then yeah. you're like, Oh my gosh, this is like a whole, you know, and if you're tight on money, and you're really banking on getting that cash, you know, you, you can get yourself into a sticky situation pretty quickly if you're not careful. And at that time when you left your job, what did your wife think at that time? Um, or or was, was she also working or how did? Well, she uh, wasn't working. She was going to school okay. uh, at the time, um, but then uh, discontinued the program that she was in. So she was basically at home. She, she, was, she had a lot of um, morning sickness and sickness related stuff with, uh, pregnancy. It just it didn't, it wasn't easy on her. Yeah. Uh, so she, she couldn't even work if she wanted to, it was just, it was just too difficult. Um, and so basically she was home and I was just working, but that was kind of our situation ever since the beginning. It was either I was in school and she was working or we switched and she was in school and I was working. And then it came to the point where she was pregnant and I was working. So we always had this single income kind of family dynamic. So it wasn't crazy for us to kind of to do that. We never had like a, the, as they call it, dinks, double income, no kid kind of situation. <laughs> we, we just always had single income, no kid or single income, no kid. So a sink to, you know, single income with kids, whatever that is. So, so you were um, like, uh, used to the whole, I think, I think maybe people probably get used to two incomes and get used to spending more. Totally. I, I have a ton of friends and everybody really does. A lot of, most people are like this. They have two income families and then the thought of one person quitting their job, they're like, Oh my gosh, that's 50% of our income. We need that. Otherwise we can't pay our mortgage. We can't pay, you know, our cleaner. We, you know, we have to be careful with our, you know, insurance payments. You know, we have this, we have this extracurricular thing. And then you're like, we need a hundred percent of that money for our, uh, for our lifestyle. But for us, we always kind of lived a bit more, uh, frugally, we were always a little bit more, we penny pinched all the time. We shared meals. So we even share meals now. We don't need to, but we, we'll go out unless it's like a fancy, you know, like special occasion, we'll share meals. We'll even get a meal with an appetizer and share it with, you know, between Laura and I and my two kids. So, <laughs> just because we're, we're, you we know, that that we just, too, yeah, totally. totally, we just established kind of a little bit of a lifestyle that's a little bit more modest. Um, and so when it came to me quitting my job, it, you know, and just going off of freelancing income, it wasn't crazy because we had a pretty simple minimalist lifestyle, um, much more minimal back then than now, but those principles have carried forward. And even now, you know, with two kids and, you know, we were, we've gotten kind of lots of things, uh, but it's, it's kind of those principles have carried forward and we're much more careful with how we make purchases or decisions that we make, uh, those sorts of things. Yeah, well, it's definitely something even I'm paying it like more attention to it lately because we're thinking of having kids, mm -hmm. but like a common saying, I guess is, you know, that 
kids are expensive. But I have one friend, like an, an older friend that I met at work once, but he, um, I think he has like six kids in Calgary okay. and he tells yeah. me they're cheap. It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. just kind of funny. Like, like if I, if you, at least in general, if you meet people even with one kid and they yeah. work two jobs, they'll say it's like so expensive having a kid. So like, you know, don't, uh, once you have one, like forget about traveling and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then, um, and then he's like totally the opposite. He has six kids and he was like, no, it's not that bad at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, like there's, there's truth in, there's truth. The best way of putting it from my experience is kids are as expensive as you want them to be. Mm -hmm. So we have friends who, um, when they have a kid and it's very exciting, it's a very exciting time. Parents get excited, you know, siblings get excited, you get excited. Um, some people, especially if they, you know, maybe they, haven't been introduced to maybe a little bit more minimal of kind of a like life principles. Um, you know, you can go and you can buy the $1,000, you know, or $2,000 or more. That's crazy. Uh, cribs from like West coast kids or, you know, fancy sort of premium, nice kind of swanky, uh, baby stores. It's like the, the business of kids is, is huge. You can make yeah. a ton of money off it because it plays on your emotions. Why wouldn't you want the fancy crib for your kid? Why are you going to put them on this mattress when you could do this one? You know what I mean? Um, so it's easy to, to monetize on that. And so people will spend a couple grand on a crib. They'll buy like really nice sheets. Um, they'll get fancy, you know, burp cloths, you know yeah. I mean? Vomit goes on that and you spend, <laughs> you don't need to spend a lot of money on that stuff. And you can go as low as what we did is we went to Ikea and we got like the cheapest crib, which we still use, um, for our second child. We didn't go and get like a fancy new one because he deserves his own new crib. It's just a crib. It's really cheap. It was like 80 bucks or 70 bucks. Um, the mattress, you know, we got the mattress is cheap. Like all these things, like people have give you hand-me-downs, people with friends, with kids, they'll give you all their clothes and you know, they can be as expensive as you want. So I know some people who said like kids cost a million dollars literally over the course of you raising them. Then you've spent a million dollars. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, well, my argument to that is, well, your life is going to cost your own life is going to cost more than a million dollars over the course of your life. Do you now decide to forego that life? Because over the course of your life, you're going to spend a lot of money. Well, no. Yeah. And if you, if you want kids, you don't think of it like, okay, well, when I have a kid, you know, the, the kid, collection is going to come and give you a bill for a million bucks. It doesn't work like that. Um, obviously, but you know, you can be modest with how you, you you can see lots of modest families raising like four kids or five kids or six kids. And there's no way, obviously that's costing them five or 6 million. Totally. Exactly. I mean, my parents, my, my dad had six siblings and my mom had four siblings and they grew up incredibly modest and arguably, you know, in, in some years in kind of a bit more of a, a poverty type situation as compared to today's standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they grew up in like a tiny small town on the East coast. Um, they were, some of them were born in their house, not because it was cool to have a midwife, but because there was no other option. Um, 
I think things actually, like, my parents have eleven siblings each. Well, there you go, and like they weren't <laughs> they weren't rich. I'm sure, you know, like that's that's kind of the no. point. Like they the kids helped. They made their own clothes. They got clothes from friends or you know hand me downs. They grew their own food. I'm not saying you have to be have own your own homestead to have kids, but you can go out and spend four dollars on a baby like baby food packet. Or you can buy zucchini and strawberries and mm-hmm. yogurt and blend them together, and then there you go, you have food for a couple of days. So, you know, there's tons of different ways to spend way too much money on kids, and there's ways to have it not be expensive. That being said, there are certain lifestyle kind of um, things in the lifestyle that change, and that's like the reality. You have to accept that. We can still travel, and we still do travel, um, but you have to take into consideration. You know, nap times, when do they sleep? Are they really, really grumpy at these times? Like maybe they are really bad at eating. Maybe they have a, like a health issue that you need to account for and, you know, they need a certain, you know, medication or, you know, something. So there's all these different things that come into play. You can't just like take the red eye and you're good to go mm-hmm. fly to South America. You have to plan it. You have to figure it out. You have to find good flight times. Maybe, you know, maybe you need to forego a certain time or go a less time or rent a bigger place because you need a separate yeah. room for your kid to sleep in. These sorts of things. Probably not going to be jumping on a motorcycle or anything. Exactly. <laughs> right. So there's those sorts of elements that you have to take into consideration and, you know, that certain things that you kind of have to forego or modify or think more about. Do you guys ever um, leave the kids with parents and have your own like week, week or two vacation or anything? Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, That's another great thing. If you live by family or really close friends, um, you can, they want to be with your kids. So you can kind of have a mutually beneficial situation where Laura and I, we've done things like left, one of our kids with the grandparents while we went just with one of the children to, we went to San Diego. I went to the, to the uh, social media marketing world recently. And so we're like, okay, well let's leave one kid with the grandparents for a few days and then we'll take this one and it'll be easier to manage. Um, There was times when we would go on little road trips, Laura and I would go on just like a little getaway for a night and the grandparents are like, we'll watch both the kids. You guys have, you know, a full 24 hours or 48 hours to yourselves. And those sorts of things, you really kind of savor those and you really get to enjoy those experiences. So you can take advantage of that too. And now when, when your kid grows up, he's going to be like, you went to San Diego without me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) One of our kids, like we went, we went to San Diego twice and we realized both times. Well, one of them, uh, he was in utero, I guess. So he wasn't fully born or he wasn't born. Um, but technically he came with us and then, you know, uh, within six months or so we went to San Diego again or a year or whatever it was, um, after he was born and we went to San Diego again, just with him. And we realized, Oh, we, we didn't take our daughter to San Diego yet. So she's going to look at pictures and be like, what? One day. Yeah, totally. So before we go on, actually, now that we're on the story, I remember you wrote a post about like meeting Pat Flynn and uh, karaoke or something. Yeah. I just wondering so how that, that story was, went. Totally. That was really cool. Um, that was a really cool kind of story. Um, so I went to social media marketing world 2016 in San Diego uh, as an attendee. And I wanted to, I wanted to go for a couple of reasons. One, obviously I'm in like the social media marketing 
business. You know, I have a blog and I have YouTube videos and, you know, I'm a freelancer and I run an online business, all these sorts of things. So it applied lots of different, uh, streams, uh, and training sessions were directly applicable. So I thought this would be a great learning experience and I can write it off as a business expense and go on a little vacation at the same time. But also a lot of people who I've kind of looked up to as mentors were, were going as speakers. So Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, uh, Chris Ducker, um, Chris Brogan, a number of people, Amy Porterfield, a ton of people that I've been like following. I could now go and meet and listen to in person. It seemed like a great idea. So my one of my big goals was I want to meet Pat Flynn. That was like a goal before I even knew about social media marketing world. I want to meet Pat Flynn and actually talk to him face to face because he's been such an impact on my life and my business. Uh, so I tweeted him at one point, this was a few months before saying, just signed up for, I uh, just like got my, got my ticket for uh, social media marketing world at Pat Flynn, super excited to uh, meet you. And he responded and was like, likewise, excited to meet you too, Brad. So I, I thought that was really cool that he actually engaged with that yeah. and pointed me out. Um, and then basically went to the convention. And what I realized is a lot of these people are treated as celebrities, superstars in like the blogging and social media marketing kind of world. Right. And people literally line up to get a picture with them, a selfie with them, Snapchat with them, um, get a signature on the, on their books, you know, or just like, look at them, you know, as if they're like a superstar, like Brad Pitt or something like that. And it was unusual to me because I knew these people were important and popular, but I didn't know like there were going to be like fawning fans of <laughs> hordes of people lining up just to like say, Hey Pat, do you want to do a selfie with me? So I felt weird because for me, I saw myself in my own sort of like projecting, you know, where I want to be. I saw myself as like a colleague in a way. In reality, like I'm learning from them and I'm very much not a colleague right now, but I want to be at that point where, you know, I can do something with Pat Flynn or, you know, you know, another person sends me an email and says, Hey, I want to do this joint promotion with you because they want to work with me. Uh, so I was like, I don't, I don't, I'm a fan, but I'm not going to fawn over them and ask to do a selfie. I have more respect for myself <laughs> and I want to show them like, Hey, you might not really know who I am, but you're going to know who I am. And I'm not going to do that by taking a Snapchat with you. <laughs> um, so, so I was like, I got to figure out a way to, to chat with Pat Flynn and not do that. So there were a couple moments, there were three moments where I actually kind of got to interact with him uh, before his session. I went down to go to the Starbucks and get a coffee um, and I just ran into him. We just like intersected paths and he was looking for his, the room where he was going to be talking. And so I was able to say, Hey, you know, he recognized me, which I thought was cool. And he was like, Hey, how's it going? Um, do you know where my room is? I don't really know where to go. So I just came from there. I directed him there. I thought, Hey, that was smooth. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so I said, I'll chat with you later. And he's like, great. So I went, got my coffee, went and watched his uh, session briefly talk to him afterwards, just, you know, amidst everybody wanting to take selfies, but I, you know, I didn't want to do the selfie signature thing. I just said, Hey, you know, I had a question about something. And then I just kind of got out of there just so I wasn't in his face. But 
I wanted to get kind of like an actual connection with the guy because, you know, I, I been looking forward to meeting him and kind of letting him know that he's been super helpful, uh, but in a professional, non weird fan way. Uh, so we went on this marketing boat. This was part of the, the, the whole convention, you got to go on this yacht, like this small, like fishing boat yacht sort of thing that was converted for like a, you know, events like uh, networking events and things like that. So there were, there was food and there was mingling, there was drinks and music. And I saw Pat there, but again, everybody's lining up to do, you know, to do uh, selfies and (laughs) all these sorts of things. And I'm like, Oh man, how do I do this? I don't know how to, talk to this guy without, you know, like getting in the way of all these people lining up. I don't want to line up. Um, so, so I overheard at some point somebody saying, you know, uh, karaoke downstairs, like, you, you know, let's go down and do karaoke. Um, and I was, you know, hanging out with a few people at that point. So I was like, great, that sounds like an awesome idea. Went downstairs, realized it was live karaoke with like an actual band doing live karaoke. And I thought, this is, this is awesome. So I was excited just for that. Saw when I went up to the book that Pat, um, was looking for a song to do for karaoke. And so I was like, awesome. This is like a great moment where I'm not lining up to do selfie. I just, I was able to talk to him and say, what song are you doing? And so we were trying to figure out what song you should do. And then I was looking quickly to see like, Oh, maybe I could do a song because this is kind of my realm. I have a music background. I have a theater background. I went to theater school so I was like, this is maybe where I can kind of be something different and kind of stand out outside of saying, you know, hey, can you sign my oh, my yeah. iPad and take a selfie, right? So basically to sum this part up, I found a song um, and uh, put it in. He said, you know, I'll wait around to watch because I'm excited. And it was a good song. It was uh, Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars. And <laughs> he was like, I'm sticking around. I want to watch this. But I realized that there were a ton of people behind me and it was going to take like probably 30 minutes before I was up. And so I thought, ah, I don't want to keep him waiting. You know, if I can like, you know, do something exciting and kind of catch his attention, I don't want to keep him waiting. So I went up to the DJ, like who was kind of lining up the songs for the band and said, can you bump me to the top? Um, I promise it will be worth it. I won't let you down. And so the guy who thought I was crazy but was like, all right, fine, but you're going to have to ask the band because they're over there on break, and I don't know when they're going to be coming back. So I was like, okay, DJ's got me at the top of the list, but the band's on a break. I got to get this band off their butt back on the stage. So I walked over to the band. I was complimented on their performance because they were awesome. I said, okay, do you guys mind if you cut your break short and jump in there because I'm up next and I got a killer song. I promise it's going to be the the best song of the night. I was just over, over confident, overshooting, um, so that they could think, okay, well, let's see what this guy's all about. Um, luckily, they thought, okay, well, let's let's see what this is about. And they got up, cut their break short, and I was called up. So I thought that was great. But now I had to deliver on a really good song. Luckily, again, I have a music background. I've been doing it my whole life, performance background. So I knew I could really you know, get the crowd going. And long story short, I did. Um, they like had the whole bunch of people on the dance floor dancing, you know, like kind of, uh, really into it. And it was super good time. And, and then from that point, because Pat stuck around, we kind of, I was able to just talk to him like a normal person, 
you know, we kind of hung out. People started coming downstairs because the party was downstairs at this point. And I was able to just hang out with him and a few other people who were kind of more influencers. And we were just like dancing and singing and kind of drinking and have a really good time. So that was my, and I got a picture with him, a selfie with him, but not in the, Hey, we're, you know, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's like iPad a selfie. selfie. It was just like a buddy selfie. And I even yeah. posted that, um, on my blog and it was just like a cool experience. I felt really excited about it and it was a kind of a rewarding, uh, experience. And the moral of it was like, use your strengths to stand out. And mine, you know, wasn't that I had a huge email list or that, you know, such and such a person knew who I was and I wasn't name dropping people left, right and center like so many people were. I was just like, I'm super outgoing. I have a background in theater performance and music. I'm going to try and figure out how to use that to stand out. And that's kind of how it worked out. And you also made that extra effort, right, to, to make sure you were the first one there. Totally. I went down there and I was, you know, I, I put myself out there and told the DJ and the band, like, hey, I got something great. Trust me, I won't let you down. And they thought I was crazy, but it turned out turned out great. And then people were asking you for their autograph. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, you know, this is, sounds kind of funny, but I, I had people for like 20 minutes afterwards, like, you know, everyone was drinking by this point too. So they were like, Hey Brad, like let's get a selfie. So people were getting selfies with me just <laughs> because of the performance. So I thought that was kind of, that was fun. And what, so now just to, just to give everyone like a, a background who doesn't know you on here, like just to, to go back. So you were a, a designer and coder, right? Yeah. Yeah. So and then, I, then you, so you, you did that for, for companies and organizations and then you transitioned into uh, actually teaching it on Udemy and things like that. Right. Was that kind of your first step into like uh, multiple streams of income? Yeah. So I started okay. out uh, at a, you know, I went to college for web design and interactive design. I learned how to code. I did a lot of that stuff on the side too, because I was really passionate about it. Um, got a full-time job at a studio as a front-end web developer doing all like the, you know, the front-end coding kind of jQuery, HTML, web design stuff. Um, started freelancing, realized this is a pretty inconsistent income. I got to figure out how to normalize it. So I created a, a Udemy course just to, because I researched, you know, creating an online course to see if I can create an additional stream of income, put out my first Udemy course, and, um, that went over really well. People really liked it. And I was in, I was on the Udemy platform, uh, pretty early. So I kind of luckily got in there pretty early and I got an, I built up an audience on there super quickly. And shortly after that, I realized like, this is very profitable. So I created a lot of coding tutorials and I stood out because again, like my personality was colorful and I was able to teach super boring, dry concepts, uh, but in a fun way. And people resonated with that. And I built an audience around that. And it kind of turned into the point where, you know, I was freelancing and allowing that to be inconsistent, you know, because I could, because I had this additional stream of income from my coding courses, tutorials. Um, and then I ultimately built my own site, codecollege.ca, where I have more training videos and tutorials. And, and that's kind of where everything started kind of spreading out and spawning from there. Okay. I didn't even know you had that site. So you actually made that yourself then? Yeah. So it's built on, um, a tool called teachable. Okay. 
Uh, and it's basically like a, a e-learning platform uh, or software where you kind of get access to a, a built-in package that lets you add courses, sell, you know, sell courses. It does the checkout process for you. Um, you know, and it's kind of like a theme of sorts, but you can modify everything, uh, to your own liking and for your own brand. And, um, it takes out a lot of the tech stuff that, you know, wastes time when trying to sell an, an online product. Right. Uh, but yeah, code is where I have all of my courses, but I have more on there because, you know, I want people on my own site primarily than a different marketplace. Right. So do you still make make videos for sites like Udemy or just for your own? No. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I, I have a huge audience on Udemy. Right. So I wanted, you know, I want to continue to serve that audience. Um, so I do create stuff for Udemy. Um, I haven't in the last, oh, probably like eight months because I've been working on the freelancing course. Um, but yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm active in there. I, I'm, you know, I'm always helping people out and I have a, a team member helping me out answer discussions. Uh, and you know, that's a pretty, that's still a really big part of my business, but, uh, I, I'm building my own thing off of that so that I can have more flexible control over my audience. Yeah. And from what I've read, you've taught what, like hundreds of thousands of people now, right? Yeah. Uh, I have almost 170,000 students on Udemy. It's crazy. Yeah. That's a lot that, of people. It is, and it's more it means, than like the the city you live in, isn't it? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, like I eighty percent more or something like that. Oh. But um, yeah, it's a lot of people, which means I get a lot of uh, tech support requests. I have a lot of coding questions that I just I can't keep up with. So I actually hired uh, a virtual assistant who actually was one of my, is one of my students, but he's really um, talented in the. The, the development side of things. So I interviewed him and hired him as kind of like a, a few hours a week to manage my tech support requests so that I don't have to do all of them all the time. Cause I would keep myself 100% busy at the time just doing that. If I didn't have somebody helping me. Cool. And now you've started, you've done like now, now you started another course that's more, a little more broad as in teaching people to be freelancers, not just for coding, but kind of anything well i'll let you explain it you'll be better <laughs> totally yeah yeah um like like we were just talking about i have this this large audience uh, this large following from my coding tutorials uh, so i got 170k on udemy um i have free tutorials on youtube that quickly got me i'm at 23,000 subscribers on youtube um and then people started following my blog so all across the board there's tens of thousands, you know, you know, I really, um, over a couple hundred thousand people who have been impacted in some way by my coding tutorials. And because of that, because of that large number of people, I was able to survey them and ask them, what do you want from me? What do you want me to create? What is your number one struggle with X? Um, and what I realized was, I taught all of these people how to code, how to design, how to code, how to create websites, how to create custom WordPress themes, plugins, um, you know, user experience design to, you know, everything and in between that. But they said like, uh, you've shown me how to code and do all these things, but I don't know how to make money from it now. I don't know how to like get a client. Mm -hmm. And what I realized, I asked, you know, thousands of people and surveyed a bunch of people that their number one struggle was how do I get clients? How do I take what I know, my skills, my web professional 
uh, skills and get clients. And so what I did then was I, and this was last August ish. So August, 2015, I started creating what would be the freelancing freedom course, which is what I just launched. And it's basically a full scale training program, not like my other courses where I create like a, you know, a 20 hour video course, and then you can access at any time. It's a full training program spread over, um, 15 weeks. And every week you get a new set of mod or you get a new module with a new set of videos, worksheets. Um, we do monthly live coaching calls, uh, with the group. There's a private Facebook group where everybody's helping each other, partnering up and working on things together holding each other accountable. It's this big full scale network of freelancers. Um, and they're everything from web designers to programmers, it, uh, support people, people who run small web agencies, copywriters, user experience designers, basically web professionals in general, not just coders, um, who want to know how to run, start, run and thrive uh, in a freelance business, where do I get clients? How do I, you know, create a sustainable income? How do I normalize my inconsistent income? You know, uh, what other places can I get clients? How do I automate parts of my business so I can focus on growing my business? How do I, um, you know, network? What do I say? What emails do I send? How do I follow up? How do I get testimonials and so on and so forth? So it's this huge program that I wish I would have had because I just had to do everything trial, trial and error. I didn't have any friends who were freelancers. I was just totally lone wolf figuring it out myself, making a ton of mistakes along the way, um, at the expense of, you know, having, I didn't have, I could have had a more successful freelance business quicker yeah. had I had this resource. And that's what this is. It's basically what Brad wished he had three years ago, the network of freelancers, the, you know, the video resources, the worksheets, the, the templates, the scripts, uh, the, you know, the resources, the tools, um, the live coaching calls, the one-on-one -on -one time with me, somebody who's experienced and, you know, knows the ups and downs. And that's what it is. It's packaged up in like a, a 15 week training program, uh, to help people, web professionals start, grow and thrive in a freelance business. And you said this was like your first big, kind of self-launch, right? Yeah, it was because everything else was pretty much reliant on uh, marketplaces like Udemy. I'd create a coding course. I had a big audience. I have a big audience on Udemy. So, I mean, I had the, the benefit and the privilege of creating a course and saying, here's my new course. And then I have hundreds of people, you know, or more sign up within the first month, um, which was great. But that was really all my marketing kind of plan was it was just you know create a course and send out a quick udemy email and then i'm done um but i didn't really have control i don't have access to those people's emails i don't have control over creating a big marketing campaign the course is just always open this was my own attempt at growing my list serving asking what my list wants and serving my list the solution to the problem that they've all told me um in a program that opens up you know, we just did the first launch. It was open for one week. Um, and we closed down registration after that. And I'm going to work closely with that group of students to help them get results and the success that I want them to have. And then we'll open it back up in another anywhere from probably four to six months, depending on when I schedule the next launch. 
And the next group of students will have even more value. They'll have more resources. They'll have more videos. They'll have more, you know what I mean? So this was like a totally different route for me. And I didn't know if it would go well. You know, I didn't know how well it would go or if it would go well at all. A lot of planning, I'm assuming. eh? (laughs) So much. I I had, you know, Facebook marketing and advertising, which I'd never really done before, webinars, creating, you know, email autoresponders, depending on, you know, if you click this link, send them through this funnel. If you click this link, send them here. If they purchase this package, take them out of this one, put them into this one. So there was a ton of mapping, planning and strategizing, um, support emails, crazy amount of work. You know, I probably wrote like 50,000 words of stuff from emails to marketing content to responding one-on-one to emails, sales page stuff, ton of stuff. I even hired a video marketing company to, to film a professional promotional trailer for the course uh, so that I could, you know, I could show people that this is, you know, high quality. Right. And there's, and there's so much I could even ask you. I'm sure we could do a entire podcast on how to do a launch or how to build a course, but uh, totally just to keep it not too long, like just like, well, let's say if someone already knows that they have skills as a copywriter or um, a marketer, a coder, whatever, like what would you say is like your first step to try and get that first client, like that first win? Right. Yeah. Um, Well, I like to go, this, this has been kind of mentioned a number of times across the web on all the different blogs and resources, but a common sort of um, piece of advice is to get your first three paying clients because, you know, anyone can get one client and you can chalk that up to potentially luck. Um, but if you can get three clients, that means you're doing something right, that you have a service or a product that solves a problem. And if you could do it three times, then you could do it six times. If you could do it six times, you could do it 16 times. So that's the idea. Um, so to get that first client, um, and you have, assuming you have some set of skills, even if it's a beginner level, but you, you are, you have a few steps up, uh, from say the person's who's you're trying to solve their problem. So let's say you're a copywriter or you're a web designer and you know, a chiropractor, a local chiropractor who doesn't have a website or has a really bad Wix website or something like that. Mm-hmm. What you want to try and do is start with your um, immediate connections. So I'm going to take a step back from that chiropractor example and work my way to it. So you start with your immediate connections, friends, family, colleagues, coworkers, um, people you went to school with, th- those sorts of things. And you basically ask around, you let them know what you do, uh, in a non sleazy way, you know, your friends. So it's easy to talk to them. Um, let them know what you're starting up, the things that you do and see if they know somebody, or maybe even they could benefit from your services in exchange for, you know, doing it for free in exchange for a testimonial. So you can kind of get, you know, a portfolio piece experience, you know, get somebody uh, as a client, even if they are free in exchange for something. Um, and then from there you move out to local businesses, you know, businesses that you frequent, you know, coffee shops. Um, maybe there's like, you know, pizza shops, local pizza places. Uh, you know, maybe there's a brewing company who just started up in town, different things like that, places that you frequent or you are interested in based on your, what you're interested in and strike up conversation with the people who work there, learn about them, ask questions, 
Ideally, if it's like the manager or the owner of the company, you could just ask questions. You're not there just to sell them or pitch them. You're trying to learn about their business, you know, congratulate them on starting up their new their their new brewing company. That's really brave. Uh, I'd love to know more about how you did that. You know, what struggles have you experienced starting that up? And people like talking about themselves, so they're going to you know, they're going to volunteer a lot of information. And from that, ideally, you can learn some of the struggles they experience, the problems that they might have, you know, and you can steer the conversation. Do you guys have a website? You know, have you had much experience with that? What, you know, what promotional methods do you guys use to get people in the door? Because I know it's hard when you start up a business to get people in. What do you guys do? Oh, well, we don't do anything. Like We just like have friends and family who've been like word of mouth and we're having a really hard time getting people in the door. Great. There's your in. You say, well, I actually have a really great idea for you guys. I do marketing for, you know, new businesses like you guys. And I have a really cool idea to help you get more people in the door. Do you mind, you know, would you have 15 minutes next Tuesday, you know, at noon and I can let you know what that is, you know, or just a quick 15 minute phone call tomorrow, something to follow up to present a solution. So then you have that time to say, okay, this is the problem. This is their business. This is the problem they experience. How can I solve that for them? And then present that to them in the form of a proposal that's detailed, giving them kind of what you can do for them, and then ultimately, you know, what that investment would be. And as relaxed as you can keep it, uh, build relationship, build rapport with them so that you're not just a salesperson, you're a person who actually wants to solve a problem for them and serve them. That's how you can put yourself out there and sign a paid client in your local area. And then from there, you can work your way out to um, bigger businesses, businesses outside of your city, remote-based businesses. Because yeah, I, I always wondered how it would work when, like, when you get up to the bigger businesses or even sometimes the smaller ones that have, let's say, a marketing girl or a marketing guy that works there, yeah. like in-house, if it's still not necessarily easy but still possible to pitch your services. Totally. Well, um, that's kind of a good thing that, that that's the challenge and the benefit at the same time. Yeah. The challenge is, well, they have somebody who does it for them. So they might think I already have somebody who does it. I don't need you. Right. But then the benefit is they can't do everything. Like they're not going to be a one size fits all solution. They can't do everything. Maybe they manage their Instagram account really well, but then they know a little bit about WordPress and they kind of threw something up there and they can't do everything at once. Right. So you can use that to your benefit to figure out where they can improve. So follow them, follow their newsletter, follow their Instagram, you know, read their blog, look at their website, watch their YouTube videos, find out where they could have something better to ultimately get them results. You know, it's not just, oh, your website's not pretty. I can make it pretty. Do you want to give me a thousand bucks? doesn't work like that. It's, you know... Oh, I noticed you guys don't have an email newsletter and you guys be, you know, that I, I know from experience that that could really help getting leads and warming them up to ultimately, you know, getting people to buy your product or to sign up for your dance class or whatever. Um, and I have, you know, I can help you out with that. Do you have, you know, time tomorrow and I could let you know what that's all about. Um, those are sorts of things that you can find and you can even communicate with the person who is the the marketing coordinator at that business, mm -hmm. you know, they likely have LinkedIn, find out who your mutual connections are. If you have any, ask that person for an introduction to say, Hey, I want to, I want to meet Melissa. Like, I see that, you know, her, would you mind putting me in touch with her? And then, you know, maybe I can meet up with, you know, for a quick coffee and 
learn about that business that she kind of, you know, works in. And then from there, you can kind of establish a relationship and go from, go from that angle. Seems like in general, at least it seems like you're like a very happy person. And I know like for a lot of people, like working on their own, working online can be like a little bit stressful because you're doing everything yourself. And I think you said you had one virtual assistant helping you out, but you seem like you have a lot of things going on. So how do you manage like, you know, you have a, a family and two kids and the business. How do you manage your time and how do you, um, I don't know, how do you manage to keep such a positive outlook? Totally. Um, well, it kind of stems from, um, try and explain this without sounding like too cheesy or cliche <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. But in all honesty, kind of that for me stems from having kind of a set of values and principles that I try and live by and try to remind myself of. And that's, you know, that, you know, you get one life. Um, that's a fact and you don't get to redo it. So all you have is today and every day you wake up is your gift. That's like a gift that you've been given, whether you believe in, you know, something bigger than you, the universe, or, or you don't, it doesn't matter. That's something you've been given, whether that's nature or God or the universe or whatever it is, that's your gift today. So how do you want to live today? Do you want, if today was your last day or this was your last week, that's a really humbling kind of scary concept. Uh, and if you remember that, um, and realize that then it changes some of the decisions that you make. Um, not just on a daily basis, but on like a, a bigger picture scale. Um, so for me, you know, I have my family, I have my two kids, I have my wife and I get to work from home. I have this, all these like wonderful things that I get to experience. So when I'm really busy, you know, or something stressful or something's not going the right way, or maybe I'm not getting as much income from freelance work this month or whatever, you know, those things can really drag you down. But you know, if you have these principles in place, it makes it easier. It kind of takes your head out of that uh, and allows you to, you know, realize, hey, you know, today's my day. Let's do something that uh, matters and just move forward and be positive about it. So I hope that part made sense. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's a great outlook. Yeah. And so from, from that, getting into a more tangible sort of um, kind of way, I, you know, things are busier now than when I started because I have the course side of my business. I have this new training program. I have, you know, people who want me to create more coding tutorials. I have freelance work, um, lots of freelance clients. You know, I have a family, you know, and all these different things that are, you know, I'm, I don't just go to my job and have my one thing that I have to do every day. I have like a million things that I have to do. Um, and so to not let that bog me down, I have to get people to help me. And so, well, one way is to cut the fat, so to speak, and eliminate things that don't matter. So, you know, are there clients that maybe they're not really worth anymore because they have lower budgets or they, they take a lot of long time and they're not really worth my effort anymore. Sure. Can I fire them or, uh, you know, send them to somebody else? Or maybe I can have, you know, somebody hire somebody on my team to manage that so that I still get to make some profit off that, serve that client and not inconvenience them, but I don't have to personally deal with it. So that's where it brings in the team based business kind of aspect. I have a virtual assistant 
and this is all new as of 2016. I have a virtual assistant um, who helps me with my email management, helps me uh, manage projects with my freelance clients. She kind of orchestrates those now. When I get a new job, freelance lead, I get the info, send it on to her, and then she kind of orchestrates the rest, communicates with that client, sends the info to I have a web developer slash web designer on my team as well, a virtual assistant. And so she keeps me updated on the progress of the project and, uh, you know, orchestrates the rest. She does what she can. She gets the web developer, web designer to do what, what he can and um, keeps me updated. So that helps run that side of the business without me having to dedicate a ton of time there. Uh, I also have a one other virtual assistant who's a customer support assistant because I have a lot of customers uh, on my coding side of things. I get a lot of coding help requests, people saying, I have a bug. I know I took this video on your course and I don't know how to do this or I'm having troubles installing this. Can you help me? I'd love to help everybody, but I got almost 200,000 people who you know ask me these questions pretty regularly. So I have a tech support assistant who's actually one of my students, knows my stuff, and is a great web developer and manages that side of things for me. So every day, you know, he's in there going in there, answering support questions, helping out my students on that video, on that lesson and so on and so forth. And so that's how I'm able to, um, that's how I'm able to free up time so I could focus on things like, you know, creating a new training program, helping my current customers or focusing on growth in my business rather than, uh, working in my business. Do you know what I mean? All right. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think when I, I think when, I interviewed you. I think when we did a travel hacking thing last time, you said you also just work a certain hours, right? Yeah. So uh, it always changes. So I remember that interview. Um, and at the time, my schedule is diff- was different than it is now. Okay. Um, basically, I modify my schedule based on what works for our family at the time, uh, the season. You know, winter, it gets darker earlier. So I want to have more daylight. Uh, versus the summer, we have a lot of daylight, so I'm okay working a little bit later in the morning and later in the afternoon. Okay. Um, but at one time, I worked super early in the morning. I got up and started working at like 5 or 6, stopped at around noon. Um, but the, since the summer, um, this this past summer, I've been working pretty, you know, standard, you know, 10 to, 10 to 4, 10 to 3. I don't work full 8 hours most days because it's not really necessary and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm ultimate, I'm like, I have what I do kind of down to, I'm always working on it, but it's kind of down to a science and art now where I'm insanely productive when I'm working. I try and focus on only one thing that I'm doing at the time, like right now. And I'm just doing this interview. I'm not like trying to answer emails and write notes and do these things right. while I'm, I'm not trying to do a million things at once. I'm just doing one thing. Um, and I can, you know, tick off those tasks and I know what I have to do. I know, you know, to focus on it. Um, and so I don't need to work eight hours unless, you know, I have something that requires that amount of time. So I have more time to, for myself, for my family, uh, and not just, I'm always not, I'm not just on my computer all, all day because I can, I'm, you know, I'm eliminating the unnecessary work. I'm optimizing when I work, I'm adjusting my schedule based on when it works for me, when I'm most productive and I'm, massively productive when I'm working. You'd probably be a good, good feature for the four hour work week. 
<laughs> That'd be cool. I'd love to. I'd love to get on uh, that uh, that podcast. Well, it just seems like that. That's like one of the hardest things. Well, I mean, after people start making their income online, I think that becomes the the next challenge. I know they, yeah. they usually say to start work on that right in the beginning, but that can be pretty hard when you're just starting out and your main Absolutely. concern is getting clients. But um, do you, in terms of uh, it, can be either in the business world or just uh, in life in general. But what, who? Who would you say either were or still are your uh, your role models that inspired you? Yeah, um, when I first started, um, Tim Ferriss, Pat Flynn, um, who else? Honestly, oh Chris Gillibo, Tim Ferriss, Pat Flynn. Those were like my kind of big influencers on my choices and inspiring me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, because I know of so many more people now, I've come across so many more people. Um, you know, a whole list of them. But as of right now, in this given moment, um, still Pat Flynn, because he's a family guy. He runs an honest online business. There's a lot of really kind of sleazy stuff out there in any business, but, you know, even, you know, especially in online business, um, because it's easy to start. Uh, you know, he's really honest and runs a really great business, has a family, his, his morals are uh, aligned with mine. And, you know, from even meeting him, he's kind of like he is in person as he is on his podcast. So, um, I've enjoyed John Lee Dumas from entrepreneur on fire. Um, you know, he has lots of really great stuff that's been inspiring in terms of webinars and everything. He's, I've been learning a lot about webinars from him. Um, who else right now? Um, I'm reading a book by Michael Port. Uh, I, watched his session, his masterclass, I guess, uh, of sorts at the social media marketing world. He has, he's all about public speaking and having, you know, impact when it comes to speaking and having your, your speaking engagements or your interviews be performances because mm-hmm. he's an actor. Um, and so I resonate because I come from a theater background. So I'm always thinking, how can I incorporate my theater background into my coding tutorials? And that's worked out pretty well. So Um, he's, you know, I'm reading a book by him right now. Uh, that's been pretty, uh, fun. What's that book called? Uh, It's called, um, oh, what's it called off the top of my head? I'm trying to remember it. I don't have it in my studio here. Uh, I, I read like four books at a time and it takes me like six (laughs) months to finish these books. So it's, um, let me just pull it up really quick here. I do that sometimes too. Totally. I just have like a bunch of books going on at once. It's called steal the show. Okay. And you can put that in the show notes or whatever so people could check it out. It's pretty cool. It's He's a great personality. Yeah, I heard something, another book that was recommended by Tim Ferriss the other day for managing, not really, well, managing your time, but more like managing your effectiveness, like what you're actually doing. Like, uh, you know, like a lot of people say that like focus is the key, but if you're focusing on the wrong things, then it's, right. then it's not good. So it's called The Effective Executive. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. Peter Drucker. Yes, yep. and what uh, books or blogs would you recommend? So, obviously, smart passive income. Yes, uh, yeah, totally smart passive income. Show. Yeah, uh, Michael, I, I don't actually follow Michael Port's blog. I've just kind of been taking it in his book, so I, I, I don't. I'm assuming his blog's quite, um, you know, similar along the same lines. Yeah. Um, but in terms of books, um, the Four Hour Work Week obviously is a staple. There's a lot of principles in there that have really kind of inspired me. And helped me. Um, Seth Godin is another great one. 
uh, books by him like Lynchpin right. and The Icarus Deception or Purple Cow. Yeah, I have both uh, those books, but I've never read Purple Cow, and I keep hearing oh, cool. about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's I, I'd read that one for sure. Uh, Pat Flynn's new book, Will It Fly? Pretty practical, kind of step by step sort of book. It's like a it's a practical book rather than a story style book. Okay. Um, teaches you how to like from idea to con- like from conception to like actual running kind of a business of any right. type, online right. or offline. Uh, pretty cool. Um, blogs, obviously, Smart Passive Income, EO Fire. Um, I've been. That's another one that I, I keep trying to think off the top of my head. Um, oh, I've been really into um, Self-Made Man. It's a podcast by um, – let me just pull it up here. Mike Dillard. Okay. And um, yeah, like he's got – he's like a like an online business dude, kind of been in the game for a long time. Um, has really great podcasts about, you know, running a business and creating like a, a legacy and a, you know, forging your own success. And it's kind of like this manly inspiring podcast sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's, it's really great. And he's got some good stuff too, and great resources on, you know, creating an online business model that, you know, is profitable. And, you know, I learn about Facebook advertising and stuff, uh, through kind of things he suggests. Oh, and one last one, Amy Porterfield. Okay. Her blog and her podcast is great. She's like, she's super experienced. She runs a super successful online business, but she's just like super friendly and chill. And you feel like you know her when you listen to her podcast. Cool. All right. Yeah, I'll check that out. If you have any other advice or if you want to, uh, to mention anything else before we wrap it up. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, um, it, it, as at the time of this recording, the, the freelancing freedom course registration, um, just recently closed, but um, I will be reopening reopening it again. And depending on on when this podcast is launched or when you're listening to it, uh, we have we might have seats open, so you can uh, get on the waiting list for that. So you can learn about the course, uh, you know, while it's you know before it opens up again at freelancingfreedom.com, uh, and that will let you know kind of about the course. And you can get on the waiting list if it's closed. You can also find my online hub, everything that I do, uh, my central place is bradhussey.ca. And that's where you'll learn about freelancing, coding tutorials, who I am, what I do, you know, projects like the freelancing freedom course. Uh, and then if you get on, if you get on my emailing list, then you, you know, I'm in pretty regular contact with my subscribers. You learn a ton about freelancing. And, um, when you subscribe, you know, I put you through a really, uh, effective seven day kind of freelancing kind of boot camp uh, where you get new email every day with some content about running, uh, starting and running a successful freelancing business, how to get clients and uh, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes for sure. Cause I would say Sweet. it would probably launch sometime in October. Um, the, more the, like pro- probably late. Oh, the podcast you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the course, I'm you know thinking maybe November, December around that time. I'm not quite sure of a date yet. So you know, probably when you're listening to this, you'll just get on the waiting list, and then you'll be notified of when uh, registration opens, and you can learn all about it. All right, well, it was awesome having you on the show again. Thanks, man. It's my pleasure. No problem. And hopefully, uh, we'll talk to you again in the future. That would be awesome. 
All right. Well, that's it for the episode. I know it was a little bit longer than usual, but I do hope you enjoyed it. Um, again, I know I ask this all the time, but if you could leave me a review on iTunes, it would really be awesome. That's just uh, how other people can find me. But uh, other than that, if you want to see the show notes or leave a comment for Brad or for myself to answer back, just visit uh, livelimitless.net or you can go livelimitless.net slash podcast. Uh, either way, if you go there, you'll see the link for podcast, and then you'll find the interview with Brad Hussey. I'll have all the links up there that were mentioned on the show. And if you want to leave any comments for myself, I'll answer them. Or if it's for Brad, I'll get him to answer them. But other than that, have a great day, and we'll see you on episode number 18.